0: Hello everyone, my
1: name is Grace, and I'm the Community Manager here at the Storycraft Cafe. We are so excited to be opening our digital doors this Friday, April 1st, and I cannot wait to welcome you into the community. Our community is completely free for all writers, and it'll include daily discussions and writing prompts as well as lectures by awesome authors, monthly challenges, and writing groups that you can join.
2: If you're interested in joining our community you can find us at storycraft.cafe that's s-t-o-r-y-c-r-a-f-t
1: dot c-a-f-e i cannot wait for you to come check it out this friday april 1st and i hope to see you all there in the meantime i'll let you get back to hank and the show
0: thanks for joining me for episode four of the storycraft cafe Today we have a fantastic show with Kathleen Glasgow and Liz Lawson, co-authors of the new book, The Agathas. In this conversation, we talk about the writing life and what it's like to write a book together and to explore new genre territory with a writing partner. Before we get into our interview, let's hear from Brandon Sanderson, talk about finding inspiration in the most unlikely places. think i read somewhere before that you were born and and raised in nebraska is that right i was and and then you um you took this mission trip to korea um one thing that always fascinates me is is kind of how uh place affects people and and then comes out in their writing um how do you feel like uh, after being raised in Nebraska then going to Korea for two years uh, how did that affect your, uh, maybe how you how you saw the world and, and how it e- eventually yeah. seeped into your writing
2: well I will say going from being in a state that is 95% Caucasian right. to being the minority was really interesting, now it's not that I like, I was a privileged minority, right? So it's a different sort of thing than growing up as a minority in the United States by far. But going and being where everybody turns and looks at you, that you are the outsider, um, and learning a new culture, learning to be part of it and respect it and learning a new language uh, and being immersed in all that stuff wow, was that very useful? So useful as a writer writing fantasy novels. Um, The Korean language still seeps into basically every fantasy language I create, right? I'd learned French when I was in high school, but the French kind of all went out the window when I lived for two years in another country. And once in a while the French rears its head, but mostly Korean is what's influencing how I create languages. So that's certainly really cool and a big part of it. Um, but also, you know, what I was doing, my first published novel, um, Elantris, I actually came up with the idea while I was serving as a missionary because the main antagonist in Elantris is an evil missionary, (laughs) um, which is really fun to me. I'm like, as I'm a missionary, I I saw things like one of the, the things that was really influential in how I perceived the world is I was out there as a Mormon missionary. My job was to teach people about the Mormon church, um which, you know, teach people about Christ and all of that stuff, which I believe in. Uh, but what? at one point, I was walking through a subway, and there was this Buddhist monk. And what the Buddhist monks will do is they're forbidden from earning money that's required by, at least in this sect of Buddhism, that they beg for their money in order to keep them humble. Um, it's actually kind of a really cool thing. And the Buddhist monk was kneeling on the ground, very humbly, banging quietly on a drum, drum and chanting as they do in order to beg for the money to go buy their food and next to them was a christian from a different denomination missionary holding up a big sign that said buddhism is hell (laughs) um and i saw that and i'm like
3: oh there's gotta
2: be a way where i can teach people about what i believe and share that with them. That doesn't involve holding a sign up saying "Buddhism is hell" next to this humble, nice man, um, you know, following the d- precepts of his religion, right? And that became the core, my philosophy on on that sort of thing is I can't ever be that guy. Um, and when I came home, I'm like, I'm going to write a story about that guy, right? I'm going to write a story about the missionary who's out. Um, to to do things for the wrong reason. It's not really that guy. Um, In Elantris, the idea is the missionary's been told if he doesn't convert the people of the city, then uh, the armies are just gonna destroy them. So he's, in his mind, he's saving their lives by trying to convert them. But he's using all the wrong methods and things like this. And So you see the stuff that I experience really popping out in the fiction. Um, And so, yeah. Um, you, you, you mentioned location, I'm actually going to take that a different direction. Okay. Growing up in Nebraska, which is very green, uh, breadbasket, basket, uh, very humid in the summers, very wet in the winters with lots of snow, and then coming to Utah, so I came out to, to go to BYU, um, which if you're Mormon, BYU is like in-state state tuition, you can pay like 1500 bucks a semester or something. which. Is like awesome when you're a Nebraska kid and you don't really want to go to UNL. We don't some great programs, but it wasn't for me. So not having a lot of money, being able to come out here to a, a top tier private school was awesome. So I come out to Utah and my roommate is a photography major and he loves landscapes. And so he took me. I don't know if you've ever been to southern Utah. I haven't. But southern Utah has these gorgeous, gorgeous canyons and rock formations um, and really weird things. Like uh, the Goblin Valley, where they filmed part of um, Galaxy Quest, where all the rock monsters are. Uh, That's a real place. And these canyons where you go down and you're in this darkness with this strip of light high above you and seeing the strata of the earth and things like the wave or going to Delicate Arch and whatnot. And that became what inspired the Stormlight Archive, which is one of my big epic fantasy series. Is this world of stone and water and storms and no soil, just lots and lots of rock. Uh, Totally influenced directly by going on these camera trips, uh, which we do like twice a year. And I was the lovely assistant. I would hold the camera equipment and hold up the little thing that would bounce the light the direction he wanted it and stuff like that. Um, And I credit that as inspiring an entire book series.
0: Well, thanks for joining me again in the StoryCraft Cafe. I am super excited today to have two writers with me, uh, Kathy Glasgow and Elizabeth Lawson. They have co-written a new book that will be releasing soon, and it's called The Agathas. And this was so much fun. Uh, I, I read it last week, and this is a book that that everyone is going to have to have on your uh, on your reading table beside your favorite comfy reading chair. Uh, I love it so much. I know you will, too. Um, welcome, Kathy and Elizabeth. Thank you. Thank
1: you. Thank you, Hank. It's nice to
0: talk to you today. You, you too. So we've been uh, we've been starting these shows uh, with with a fun question, and uh, I, I'm going to ask each of you, and uh, we'll start with you, Kathy, because you're on my left, and uh, Elizabeth, you'll you'll have a minute to think about it, so you'll you have uh, the benefit of that. Um, what is one piece of writing advice that you have gotten? Uh, maybe it's a tremendous piece of advice that that you look back on often and say, you know, that that was a really great piece, or maybe it's horrendous, and you look back and go, wow, I'm so glad I didn't, um, you know, do that or whatever. What what's a piece of advice that you've gotten that has stuck with you for good or bad?
1: So years ago, when I was in a writing program,
0: yeah,
1: and I I went to graduate school for poetry and not for fiction, Um, but I did take fiction classes, and one of my professors, who was a novelist, MJ Fitzgerald, she told us that you really don't know how to write a book until you've written your eighth book. And I, you know, and then we're all in there and none of us are, we don't have books out and we're just starting out, and that seemed really daunting at the time. Yeah. But now that with the Agathas, I'm four books in, I kind of see that because every book you learn a little bit more about how to structure the story that you want to tell, sure. and just you've learned more tips and tricks about your personal writing style. So I I I do I see exactly what M J Fitzgerald was talking about and i i actually don't like telling people that because then they get very (laughs) freaked out because they're like i just need to finish my first book but i i do think that um there's a lot of merit in that and i i think the second piece of i'll give you a second one piece of writing advice i got was turn everything else off when you're writing you have to turn off your phone your social media your email and most importantly you need to turn off that voice in your head that tells you
0: the that self-editor
1: yeah yeah and you just need to get that story out you have to really learn what works for you to turn off that that inner editor
0: I love it that's fantastic what about you Elizabeth
3: I I'd say it's something that I didn't really believe until very recently which is that oh this is going to be good <laughs> yeah Liz always has good stuff <laughs> your first draft is allowed to be a pile of crap Um, and it that was I I heard it so many times over the years and I never believed it because I tend to be a perfectionist and I tend to want to like fill in all the blanks immediately but particularly with this book we have done I think a good job with while we were writing it because we had to kind of fast draft it and I think we did a pretty good job with being kind of loose with our first draft in terms of like saying you know, what is this person's name? We'll come back to it instead of spending 20 minutes hunting it it down uh, in the draft itself. Um, And just sort of like letting the first draft be sort of, you know, the skeleton of what will eventually become the story. And then treating revision as like kind of filling that in and making it into something that is actually readable um i think it's a really hard thing for for some writers to grasp and it certainly was for me so but it is true and it will actually help you long term
1: (laughs) i think that liz liz is really she's right and um that first draft is a skeleton and then you go back and you you add some like flesh and eyeballs and a brain to your story (laughs) And mm-hmm. I, I think it was really interesting writing with Liz, going off what Liz just said, where she said that she's, you know, she's a perfectionist, and she yeah. she will, which is really good when you're co-writing with a person like that. But she's also a plotter, and I'm a cancer. So I think when mm-hmm. we we're when we we're writing this book a little bit, Liz will be like, we need to no, 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 we need to hash <laughs> out this one this thing. and i I was like, no, let's just go. and we'll throw it in and we'll fix it later. And she would always say, which is which was really good, this is a mystery. And so we need to make sure that we have things down because things have to happen at certain places, Kathleen. Right. And so it was it was really writing with Liz has improved my standalone writing.
0: That's fantastic. In, well, in that many in
1: many, in many ways, because Liz will be in my head as I'm like working on this other book that I'm writing by myself. And I'll be like, no, I can't, I can't just forget about that. No, I have to address it now. Cause normally <laughs> I'll just, I'll go off like into the ether because like she said, your first draft is the skeleton and I'm very much into like putting the bones on that skeleton.
0: That I, I love that. And, and co-writing um, is, is dark magic of its own. You know, when yeah. it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's hard enough coming up with a story of your own and, and going through your internal process and you know getting the words on the page but then including another person who has ideas of of their own and and all of that that is uh you know a, a lot of people i think I think they would they would find that very daunting to to work with someone else who's a a completely different human and, you know, thinks differently (laughs) and all that. And and of course, I see the benefit of, you know, uh, two authors equals, you know, three creative brains in essence. Um, But but finding a way to to merge those has to be interesting because both of you um, are are published writers on your own. Um, So how did you. Uh, how did you come to to work on this together? How, well, first off, how did you meet, and have you guys known each other for a while, or what, what was what's you know what's the relationship like where you connected, you know, non author wise that that then allowed you to collaborate?
3: Um, well, we have the same editor for okay. our standalone books, which is why. Um, or how, I guess, we originally connected. Um, I My debut is much more in the vein of what Kathleen's other books are, which is, you know, emotional contemporary. And so when we were, um, when I realized that Kathleen was also one of Krista's, our editor's writers, I was, you know, I was always a big fan of her her. I was a huge fan of her debut and I also managed to get an arc of her second book, which I absolutely loved. I read it on an airplane and cried on the airplane. <laughs> um, and when I learned that, you know, she, I knew she was one of Krista's writers. So I asked Krista if she might be willing to blurb. Um, and Kathleen did kindly blurb my debut. And we just sort of started chatting from there. Um, and we we ended up being in the D.C. area at the same time. What was it, Kathleen? Now three, four Three and a half years ago, good Lord. Yeah, for the uh, wow.
1: the National Book Festival.
3: Yeah, well, Kathleen was there for the National Book Festival. I was there visiting my sister. So, <laughs> and I said,
1: um, I said we should we should get together. We should meet because I, you know, I I love the Lucky Ones, and if if you haven't read it, Hank, it's just it's a really intense and truthful and honest story about the aftermath of a school shooting, and um, Liz handled all the issues in that book amazingly and it was a beautiful read and I will always hold that book dear to my heart and so I I think that we we just started messaging each other because we were just friends and we're we write the same things we have the same writerly anxieties and probably like life (laughs) anxieties (laughs) and so we became friends so it was it was just it was fate and then when the first lockdown happened Liz's book was coming out which she can tell you about in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And that was really hard. And then that uh, summer, when we were messaging each other, I think that um, we both had, we were both feeling very isolated, as you know, which is normal because nobody really knew what to do while all that was happening. And we were just talking, and because we both write such emotionally intense books on our own, I think we needed something fun to take our minds off things, and we weren't working on anything at the time. And Liz is a big Agatha Christie mystery fan, and I'm a big True Crime fan. And we just started chatting, like, what if we we wrote, what if we did something different? Because I I do think it's really important for writers to stretch their wings and try new things. What if we did something different? What if we wrote a mystery? What if we just started writing so we could get up every day and have something to write, and feel less isolated, and go through this kind of terrible world thing together, but so we wrote something that was fun at its core.
0: I, I love that, um, by the way, because I, I've talked to um, a lot of authors. Um, my other uh, podcast that we do, we've got 1,200 episodes uh, where we talk to writers, and it, it, I've I've had an interesting time um, talking about uh, how the pandemic has affected writers, because for the most part, we're people that work from home and mm-hmm. we we don't get out every morning and, and go to work. You know, I walk 15 feet to my coffee pot, you know, and then come back and sit at my desk. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, I see my wife and, you know, a couple of my kids and, that's you know kind of the the extent of it um, for most days, and I think a lot of writers are like that. But there's something weird about knowing that the rest of the world is home working as well, and it it kind of infringes on our our, our comfy little existence. You know, there, there's something yeah. weird about knowing that everyone else is doing the same thing you are, and it's it's a little creepy sometimes. So I love that you guys found a way to you know let's give ourselves something to look forward to every day Mm -hmm. that that is super important I think to to always have a goal that you're stretching for yeah
1: Mm -hmm. absolutely and Liz you know she (laughs) we we agreed like she's like okay we need a we need a spreadsheet we will have to plot out this story before we even begin writing because it is a mystery and you have to know where to put red herrings and you need to know the twists right. and the turns. And I'd never done that before. And she was really, she was great at doing that. And then we, we agreed like <laughs> friendly contractually with each other because no one knew what we were doing. Like our editor didn't know. And our agents didn't know this was like purely for us. Yeah. Um. And so we agreed we would, we would make it dual POV two characters. um, And that, you know, we, we worked out this plot and that we would trade a chapter a day and that we would fast draft it. And then Liz tricked me <laughs> where we got to a certain point and I was like, well, that's this is really good. That's great. And now I have to go do some other things. And she was like, no, 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 wait, this is really good. I think that this could really be something. And I was like, "Nah, you know what? What are you talking about? I, I don't write mysteries. Nobody. Nobody's going to want a mystery from me. You know, and Liz was like, Well, actually, I already told my agent
3: and she really likes it. And then I was like, What? I I, I did not show it to her until you told me I could. But yes, I did tell her about it.
1: And then it it just, it moved like very quickly. And our editor, Krista, she was like, Wait, you did what now? (laughs) But she ended up loving it and supporting us in like this. Would you call it like a genre switch, Liz?
3: Yeah. I mean, yes, and and we're very lucky because some yeah. writers would probably not have been afforded that. You know, like our our imprint and our editor is they're they're great. Like, I, yeah. she's very flexible.
1: Yeah, she they were they were she was very very excited the whole imprint was excited and they were all basically like you did what and then they were like oh my god this is like really this is great and then they said okay can you finish this in like two months (laughs) and we were like um okay
0: (laughs) i mean i mean what else (laughs) is going on you know yeah as well um i have so many questions um but first the the agathas uh this book is genre wise different than what each of you do individually um and and i know that you're you're both fans of the genre and uh and 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 liz especially uh and and she dragged you kicking and screaming kathleen into it oh, of you course know,
1: yeah not really
0: um <laughs> but you know does it um is it easier to to stretch into a different genre when you have someone else you know, go along on the journey with you like you guys did here? Um, or I mean, is that an unfair question because you, you did do it together? But do, do, do you know what I mean? Is it easier when you kind of have a partner to go along with you to stretch out into new things?
3: I think for us, we just approached it so almost naively. <laughs> we were like, oh, let's do this. Okay, let's do this. Not thinking like, too much about co-writing and the issues that could arise or, um, the fact that it was outside. I mean, I didn't think very much about how it was outside of, you know, our other books, genres. I also didn't think about the fact that mysteries are really difficult to plot, um, (laughs) and, uh, to write in general. So we just, I think it was because we were just sort of approaching it from that like let's just do this and see what happens angle um we didn't run into like that I I don't know any of the issues that you could when you're doing it by yourself like when you are you you know all alone overthinking and thinking like oh my gosh I have no idea what I'm doing because we were able to talk to each other and say like Mm -hmm. well we we're here now, where should we go? And, you know, if one of us didn't have ideas, the other one did. So it was really helpful, I thought.
1: Yeah, it's a, you know, it, it's a great experience um, to write a book with someone because like Liz said, you're you're not alone in the story and you're like texting all the time and it's exciting. And you do have someone to bounce these like extraneous beyond the spreadsheet ideas off of. And that that makes it, it's just, better it's just interesting it's more interesting you're less like isolated and alone in the story because there's someone else there and they know exactly what problems you're having and they know exactly what to say and on a craft level because we did like because we did pov you know we would write our chapters and if alice is in iris's chapter then liz gets to like tweak whatever dialogue i gave alice because she knows alice and like that is good that's a good thing it only like it only improves the book and so you you learn how to craft a book with someone else on that level according to what they also need as a writer themselves mm-hmm. and so it's a really interesting and i think invigorating exercise and you know I, I like to say that it was a real relief because i feel like i was only responsible for 50 percent of the book <laughs>
0: So one question that I think a lot of people have um, when it comes to co-authoring is how do you split the duties? Um, did, did having the different POVs, did that help to kind of assign tasks to each person? Did you feel, I, I guess the, the real question I'm asking is did that enable you to feel more ownership over over your parts or or, or like how do you how did you guys decide to to divide the duties? And I know it it began as just a fun project, but at some part it turned into an actual book. Um, and you know that then then did you start thinking differently about the duties that you had assigned for yourselves or uh, you know how you each approached the work? Um, talk about kind of divvying up those responsibilities. Hmm.
1: Did we have duties? i don't know i feel feel like (laughs) well since we had we had the the spreadsheet and liz is really she was really good at like putting that spreadsheet together like we talk and then she would physically do the spreadsheet because she's younger and has more energy than me um (laughs) and because she's a she's a plotter and so but i i don't know that we assigned each other duties in like the actual sense of each of us would be responsible for one thing because I don't, I don't know. We just played really well off each other. And we tried to respect each other's, like you don't rewrite someone's chapter. Do you know what I mean? Like you can tweak the dialogue, but we, we talk about that stuff. Like we text each other. I will text Liz and say, okay, Liz, now in this chapter I'm writing, you know, Iris goes here and this happens. And she'll be like, "Mm "Mm-hmm." and then maybe the next day, um, she'll text me and she'll be like, okay, so this has to happen now for Alice and you're going to have to tweak something in like Iris's previous chapter. So I, I don't know that we had like duties per se. It just seems to, I'm watching Liz's cats fight in the background. It just seems, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> it just seems, it just, I don't know, it flowed really well for us.
3: Yeah, I think and, dividing and it, it. Oh, sorry, Kathleen. No,
0: go
1: ahead.
3: No, I think dividing it between the two POVs was really helpful because it really did give us uh, each control over those sections. Like Kathleen is saying, you know, we didn't infringe on each other's chapters like outside of maybe saying like, oh, I'm not sure that Alice would say this, like, you know, or like plot things that we would suggest to each other. Um, And then in terms of because the book does have a lot of mixed media sections Mm -hmm. and those just we sort of just I guess we of, divided those up kind right? of but we didn't like yeah. really plan out who was writing which we just sort of like yeah. went with it and yeah. whoever's chapter needed it I don't know it was yeah. just sort of more organic than that
1: yeah if it was like it you know because we'd be like okay we need a breaking news segment here and then it would be like oh Liz, Liz would say oh, I'll write that or we'd be like oh we need some text messages here and I'd be like, okay, I'll, I'll put in some text messages. And then we could each go in and, like, tweak those as we saw it, you know. And then Liz would say, we need a news article. And I'd be like, okay, why don't you write the news article? Because she reads heavy.com and I don't. And so. <laughs> I don't read heavy.com. But I know and it is. And so, doesn't. you know, it was just, I think that you have to, I was just really grateful to write a book with someone. And it was nice to have someone else in that whole process with you. So it didn't really matter who was doing what with like extraneous material. It just worked, it worked out really well. It was one of the most um, pleasurable experiences of my writing life. And I have talked before about how, before my first book was published, what a great quiet experience that was because I never thought it would get published. I didn't have anyone in my head. I had no expectations. I only had the story because no one knew what I was doing. I wasn't, you know, I hadn't even like started any social media accounts and I didn't know many other novelists. And when we were writing the Agathas together and no one knew, I was, I felt really comfortable and like happy writing this story of these two girls who become friends while solving a crime because no one knew. So we had no expectations hanging over our our head we didn't have anyone saying no you shouldn't put that in there no you shouldn't write a book this way it was just really it was like a really beautiful quiet fun time
0: with Liz Mm -hmm. you you are 100% right about that feeling before your first book is published because no one has any expectations whatsoever it's just you and the story maybe a loved one a spouse or something that you kind of clued in hey I'm doing this thing um but there's a there's a pureness to that mm-hmm. and a pure joy that comes from that. And it sounds like you guys got to recreate that for mm-hmm. a second time, yeah. um, at least yeah. in the beginning, uh, yeah. you know, before agents were, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know, <laughs> were, were demanding manuscripts, and, you know, all that right. kind of stuff. Yeah. So so tell me about the book. um, Liz, you're a fan of of Agatha Christie mysteries. Um, Kathleen, you're a, a true crime fan. Um, when you're when you first start kind of spitballing and you know all of the great creative you know neurons are firing and you know the, the stories you know kind of magically start coming together. What what was the the thing that you uh, what was the hook that you came up with?
3: Well, it was it's based on an Agatha Christie's disappearance from. Uh, from when she, from her first husband. So she found out her first husband was cheating on her and it's sort of like this uh like like almost like a Agatha Christie lore about how she disappeared for I think it was Kathleen correct me if I'm wrong but I think it was like 12 days, 14 days. Yeah, um, I think yeah. something like that and nobody really to this day knows where she went. Um she was discovered about like I said, about two weeks after she disappeared in a hotel in London, um, she seemed like very discombobulated. Claimed she didn't really have a lot of memory about what had happened. Um, and it's I think like,
1: she I think she checked in under her husband's mistress's that's name.
3: That's right. She which is like so oh, <laughs> so
0: amazing. Okay, I've I've read enough Agatha Christie novels. Who in their idiotic mind would ever cheat on that woman? That's right right okay okay yeah.
3: um there's actually a fictional retelling <laughs> i read last year um called the mystery of mrs christie i think it's called um and it sort of tackles her disappearance from a fictional standpoint but it's really interesting cuz you learn about her first marriage and how he was sort of you know not the best guy he was a little right. bit jealous of her her burgeoning success and uh yes and started cheating on her so we, we I think, both have been fascinated by that story for a long time.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And we were like, what if a teenage girl was a big fan of Agatha Christie and because of that decided to kind of pull an Agatha Christie?
1: <laughs> and that, that's what Alice does. Like, that's how the book begins. And then that whole when her friend Brooke disappears, you know, the police dismiss it as you're just copycatting. Alice Ogilvy and girls are too emotional and she just ran away and is faking it for a few days and because those things happen. So it's a, that was, that was like our, our jumping off point for the book and the story. And it it is an overall, I think it's an overall fun story with some really great fun um, elements in it. But we, we did have, we do have that little thread running through of like real life issues, domestic abuse for, Iris and parental neglect for Alice, and then also the misogyny that accompanies teen girlhood, where Mm -hmm. you're dismissed as being inconsequential, and your fears and emotions are downplayed.
0: Do you feel like um, that your individual strengths, um, Liz, with your love of mystery and and you know the the way that you had. Uh, had become well versed just in your love of the genre or or Kathleen your love of true crime d- do you feel like like you mentioned earlier you know where do we put the red herrings um did did your love of true crime kind of um help inform um you know, the, the plotting of it, like, well, that's not really going to work because, you know, so and so may have tried that before and it, it, they obviously telegraphed what was going on. You, you know, were, were there things like that where your individual strengths um, helped or, or maybe you you relied on one another and and what you knew the other was bringing to the project to to help strengthen the 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 project as a whole?
1: Liz is Liz is excellent at plotting a mystery and knowing about tropes that need to appear in mysteries and about hitting um, writerly beats in mysteries, like where action needs right. to happen at e- each point in the novel. And I'm very much like the problem child because <laughs> I would like text her. Like three days before a draft is due and be like, so, you know, I was listening to this radio thing and I was hearing like this thing about like this grandmother and these two grandsons and like this murder. And like I was thinking or, you know, I'd be like, well, I was watching Forensic Files. And then this would be like, oh, OK. And, you know, we would, she would we she would be like, OK, all right, we can make we can make that work. So I feel like we our interests like blend really well. Yes. together but Liz might have a different
3: opinion. No I absolutely agree I think that like because I did grow up reading a lot of mysteries like Agatha Christie but I also loved a lot of like cozy mystery series yeah. um when I was younger um I, you know that was the sort of book I envisioned in terms of like plot and in terms of tone I guess um but Kathleen's love of true crime was like super helpful because like there were, she had these ideas that like were um, amazing and based in real life, so we knew that they were like plausible, you know, which is really yeah. helpful. Yeah. Um, like they so, they happen. Yeah, and right. so yeah, there's absolutely some Kathleen true crime stuff in the Agathas.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, at which Liz, is great. This was really great about you know keeping it, like this general mystery tone for the mm-hmm. novel. And sometimes I would try to drag it, like, into a different emotional space, like one of my own standalone books, she'd be like, no, 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 you need to, you need to pull back. And then you can envision, like, Liz, you know, being a mystery novelist, drinking tea and, like, plotting something out. And then I send her a text, like, okay, but wait, so, but we have to think about the angle that somebody was stabbed. It depends on how, <laughs> how tall they are. And, like, here's how much blood. And so I think. All you know,
3: important <laughs> things, though. Like,
1: yeah. Right. So. You know, I, I we worked we worked well on that on that level. I don't know. You know, a lot of people after they found out that we co wrote this book, they they were like, well, maybe I should co write with somebody. And I was oh, like, yes. well, you know, you got you have to find absolutely <laughs> the right person because yeah. it's not. I mean, it was fun for us, but it's not an easy it's not an easy process, and and you you have to find the right person. It's not something you could just be like, oh, well, I think I'll I'll co write a book with you because yeah. it's not gonna we were we were lucky to have
0: each other we
3: were very lucky
0: so speaking of that um i've heard um people that have co-authored books together they talk about this weird thing that happens um that you have kathleen glasgow that comes in and you have liz lawson who comes in and then somewhere along the process it's almost like a third person um is writing the book it's it's this mixture of the two of you that becomes something else and some people like it's so much of a thing for them they actually write under a pseudonym that that is a third person um mm-hmm. now you guys did not write under a pseudonym uh for this book but did did you ever find like um like in the writing of this it's like it's almost like it's not me writing it's it's this other person even though i absolutely had input into it but it you know the 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 melding of the two of you becomes something different. Did did you guys ever experience that,
1: Liz? Did we create like a hybrid Liz Kathleen
0: writer <laughs> model? Liz Lean.
3: <laughs> Liz Lean. <laughs> Liz Lean. Oh my. Um. <laughs> did we? I you know maybe a little bit. I mean, for you know we had to write not only our characters' povs but. You know, I, at first, with when we were writing, like, the first few pages of the Agathas, I was definitely, it took me a minute to get into the groove of writing Iris, too. You know, like, it was, I felt, like, nervous about that more than I ever have, obviously, writing, like, a solo book. Um, And then we also had to, like, learn to write the other characters, the supporting cast, in the same way. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, I've not, I haven't really thought about it, but I think that yeah, we probably did a bit. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we very much had to, you know, and that's where that's where like the co-writing and being flexible comes in because you know Liz really knows Alice, and like I really know Iris, and that's why you have to be very flexible and get that hybrid Liz Lean going where that other person can go into the other POV and say, okay, you know, you have to change this because Iris wouldn't say that, or here's how Iris actually is feeling in this moment. Cause you, you, we had to talk about how our, our characters would grow throughout the book, Mm -hmm. you know, what changes they would have and how their friendship would, you know, have peaks and valleys because they, they are very unlikely friends from different parts of life. And so, you know, you have to remind each other of that. So you have to be very you have to be like flexible, like some things I know about Iris instinctively, because now I'm really close to her that Liz might not know. And the same thing goes for Alice. And so Liz has to go in and say, Kathleen, Alice would not say this. <laughs> she would say this and then just be like, OK, great, because that just makes it better. You have to realize that right. like everybody's input, it makes it better. Yeah. So if you, I think if you're like a super controlling writer, you should probably not be a co-writer. Agreed. <laughs> you should probably take that off your bucket list because it's it's not going to work. You have to be flexible and open and realize that everything
3: is for the benefit of the story, yeah, absolutely. The people who co-write books as their debut are like fascinating to me because oh, yeah. right. that would be so challenging, I think, yeah, because you know, once you have your first book out there, you've gone through like having, tons of different input, tons of different hands on it. You know, you you're kind of used to getting that mm-hmm. feedback. Right. But I remember when I wrote my first couple of manuscripts, I was like, don't touch them. You know, like <laughs> I was very precious with them. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that that would be really challenging. Because
1: nobody tells you, you know, that first book that you have published and you get your publishing deal and you feel like really worked for maybe years on crafting your novel and your editor's like, I love it so much. And here's your book deal. And then you, you turn it in and then your editor's like, okay, we're going to cut like a hundred pages from the middle. Cause that's not, and you're like, but wait a minute, you said it was so great, but they are also now looking at it from outside eyes and they have, they know, they know they're they can tell you because they're not as close to it as you are. And I, I don't know that a lot of people know that when they're getting their first book published is that sometimes entire like a hundred pages are rewritten yeah. and your editor's like, No, you, you're not seeing how this is not working. And that that can feel really daunting to I think and, debut novelists because they're like, But you said you loved
0: it. And and that is especially daunting for a first book. Because yeah. like you said, a lot of times there have been years that have gone into mm-hmm. that book and and in, inevitably authors, you know, bear their souls in, in their first book almost always mm-hmm. because it so much of you comes yeah. out in it. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: I heard um, I heard a musician uh, that on an interview one time and they were talking about how why uh, a lot of bands first album is amazing a lot of mm-hmm. times because they've had years to just work on those songs and work on those songs and usually by the third album you know they're they're buying mansions and they're picking out curtains you know and and <laughs> you know and, you know so you know life goes on um, yeah. but that that first work is usually so personal and okay. and to have someone chop out you know when you get those edits back from your editor and you're like whoa someone spilled a, a bucket of red ink on here what what's the problem you know Yeah, it can be it can be daunting, especially for a first book.
3: Yeah, Yeah. I think a lot about Karen McManus, like several years ago, I recently tried to find the tweet, actually, because it sticks in my head. Like, I think about it all the time. She said something along the lines of and I'm paraphrasing like people, writers. It is so challenging to be a writer because you want to, like, be able to have that soul bared to the world but once you have that first book out there's so much that you realize you need to hold back in -hmm, order to even write a second book Mm -hmm. um that you know you have to figure out how to balance those two things and it's really it can be a real challenge Mm -hmm.
0: yeah um Kathleen, you mentioned uh, genre tropes a few minutes ago and, and that that Liz was well versed in the the mystery tropes. Um, when writing a book. Um, the, tropes are essential um, so that people that love the genre know what to expect and um, and not always, you know, there there, there are mysteries within the mystery, um, but you uh, you know you, you you have to know how to craft a story that's going to fit within a genre and and meet certain expectations. Uh, it, it sounds weird to say that, but you know that that's the reality of it. Um, but some of the the greatest books take those tropes and kind of twist them a little bit and and keep the reader um, wondering and and, you know throw throw people kind of off kilter when reading it. and And that's some of the the funnest part of writing is taking those tropes and things that people expect and just twisting them a little bit and, you know, giving people a different experience with it. Um, what do y'all think about tropes and the the proper way to use them and when it's okay to um, pull the rug out from under a reader, so to speak?
3: Liz. <laughs> Thanks, Kathleen. Um- <laughs> that is a very uh i mean that's a very hard question to answer honestly i mean i think the tropes are important because you know certain particularly when you're writing genre fiction like uh you're writing romance or you're writing a mystery um like you said, people have ex- certain expectations for them. You know, it partic- I think of the romance community and how people get up in arms sometimes when there's not a happily ever after ending, um, which to me makes sense. You know, you have a certain expectation when you open that book and you, as a reader, are probably reading it in part because you want that expectation to be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that people, the the writers who handle subverting genre or subverting tropes the best are the ones who do it in a, like, in a minimal way, usually. Like, in a way that isn't, um... Isn't just, like, out of the blue. Maybe it's set up throughout the book, and then all of a sudden it, you know... I'm thinking about, like, We Were Liars by E. Lockhart. Like, yeah. you know, that she certainly pulled the rug out from under readers, but it was set up. It has to be set up throughout the book in a way that if a reader did a second read, they would be able to see it. And I think that that is incredibly important. You have to like plan it if you're planning to do that. Um, and it can't just be sort of like a haphazard, like I'm going to just trick the reader because readers don't like to be tricked.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Do you have any any opinions about, about tropes and their proper usage, Kathleen?
1: Um, I think that you will probably, especially for the mystery genre, I think it's important to have certain tropes in the book. And then if you're subverting them, make sure that you're doing it intelligently so that it feeds the story that you're trying to tell
3: mm-hmm.
1: um, in that particular book. And I think you can definitely pull the rug out from under people under people's feet if you've Set everything up so that that rug pulling works. And I, in terms, you know, there there are a lot of teenage detective tropes, you know, on TV yeah. and in books. And I think Liz and I were in agreement that as we were writing this book, we had to always remember that Alice and Iris are are actual teenagers, and they don't know. How to solve a mystery like they're not naturally mystery smart like you might see in a tv show where there's a mystery and there are teens
0: right they
1: get alice they're taking tips from a book they're using you know techniques from agatha christie books they're using things that maybe iris has seen on tv they also have to do their homework so sometimes they can't go on a stakeout or stay out as long as they wanted um they have interpersonal strife with their friends and ex-boyfriends and parents and so it was Im- important for us also to kind of subvert that trope of like teens just being so savvy and they know exactly mm-hmm. how to solve this crime and they've got all these like tools at their fingertips and there's you know they can hack into somebody's computer like right <laughs> away which one character does but we we set that up for him as being that kind of person yeah. that's not Alice or iris and I I feel like we did that really well like They get better as the book progresses, but they also make a lot of mistakes Mm -hmm. (laughs) that, you know, are not great for the people uh, that they affect. And so I I think that I think that for us that it was really important to show their growth as detectives and that they're still learning.
0: Do you feel like that this co-authoring experience will change the stories that you tell in the future do you do, kathleen do you feel like there's um you know uh s- something that that liz gave you as an author that that you will carry forward and and liz do you feel like that there's anything of kathleen that will carry forward in your writing
3: absolutely i mean kathleen is she says she's not good at plotting but she's really good with ideas like she doesn't <laughs> live well it, 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 <laughs> I mean that in such a co- in complimentary way like she doesn't I I found like writing the book with her she doesn't let the like confines of like <laughs> again this is meant in a very complimentary way but like reality um sort of like like, put walls up about what the, like, it doesn't, she doesn't let it, like, confine what the story could be, so she is, like, very much an outside-the-box thinker, I guess is what I'm trying to say, and I, from, like, the first book I wrote, I have, like, learned more and more how to be that way, but I've always approached writing from, like, a very timid place for some reason, and I was, like, the story needs to be like this, and, like, I can't do that because, like, that's not... I, I, you know, it, it it would even be like I, I can't do that because like I wouldn't even think of that as a possibility for what could happen. But she's really like opened my mind in terms of like the possibilities and the the directions that a story can go.
0: I love that. The will we see any more from these characters? Uh, was this a, a one-off experience for you guys to to co-author and and in this world with these characters or? in the future is there any possibility to to continue the story
1: well i think that that's up to um readers you know (laughs) you have to buy the book you have to show how much you love alice and iris and these uh two girls a story it's just very much a friendship story in the middle of a mystery in a small town um we'd love to keep writing these books like i could write these books with liz forever we could take alice and iris you know through their twenties, we could see what happens to them as young women. I mean, is Alice going to set up a shingle someday and become a private investigator? What will happen to, you know, I mean, like right. the, the, the possibilities are, are endless. And I, I really do hope that we, I really do hope we get to write another one. Cause we have a lot of ideas.
3: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Great. Right.
0: Well, the, uh, the book, the Agathas comes out, uh, the first of what, it's the first week of may right
1: yeah may 3rd may
0: 3rd 3rd. great uh go pre-order it now we'll put links uh in the show notes where you can go pre-order it or on release day go to your local bookstore support local bookstores and grab it there um kathleen if people are just discovering you and want to dig into all the great stuff that you do um where can they connect with you online
1: uh, they can go on Twitter at Kath Glasgow or Instagram at Miss Kathleen Glasgow or TikTok at Kathleen Glasgow and you can find me at my website which is KathleenGlasgowBooks.com.
0: Excellent. What about you, Liz? Where can people connect with you?
3: Um I'm on social media as at L Z-L-W-S-N. So my name with no vowels. And my
0: <laughs> makes perfect sense.
3: Very urban outfitters of me. And um <laughs> uh and I have an author website lizlawsonauthor.com
0: excellent we'll link up all that uh those places in the show notes to make it easy for folks to find you uh Kathleen Liz this has been so much fun chatting we're gonna send everyone to pick up their copy of the Agathas I love the book so much I know other folks are too thank you so much for taking time to come join us in the Storycraft Cafe
1: thank Thank you so much for having us thank you
0: thank you